welcome, welcome, welcome to the council. Good afternoon, everyone. We are here in studio, and today we have a very special guest, and I just want to make sure that I uh, announced everybody and let everybody know that the show is brought to you by Remax Alliance. Uh, Remax Alliance, uh, best place to sell or buy a home in Colorado. Go to homesincolorado.com. That's www.homesincolorado.com. They are the leader in selling homes all around Colorado. And uh, know the people personally very well. (laughs) They're fantastic, fantastic people. Uh, We are just about ready to go live on the other camera here. So give us just a moment, folks, as we're tuning in. And we are live. Welcome, good afternoon, everyone, to the council. I am your host, Charlie Pacello, and we are here ready to share with you an amazing, amazing story. Uh, Again, we are brought to you by REMAX Alliance. Please, please, if you are looking to buy a home or sell a home, please go to their website at homesincolorado.com. That's homesincolorado.com. They are the best. I know them personally, and I'm so grateful to have them as a sponsor for the show. One of the themes that we're looking at today is, you know, and I think it's really important to make sure that when we're talking about healing from traumas and injuries and making uh, changes in our lives, that we have to look at character. We have to be able to see that the past holds us back because we don't really speak the truth about it. We don't really know the truth about it. And it's those secrets that we keep that keep us stuck, that keep us stuck in sick. And we've got to be honest with ourselves when we're talking about what it means to be able to heal from the past. Uh, I do a lot of work with people who suffer from PTSD and trauma. I help people to make meaning of those experiences and integrate those experiences, help them to forgive themselves and others from the mistakes that were made. And one of the key things that people really need to grasp is that it takes moral character to be able to realign oneself to the integrity that lives inside of them. Vincent van Gogh said that conscience is a man's compass. Your conscience is your compass. It tells you what to do and if you're doing something right or wrong. It's that little voice inside that says to you, don't do this. (laughs) Don't do this. And it's that if we don't listen to that voice early on in life, we end up finding ourselves going on on a very different path. And it's often those little gentle whispers when we're young that uh, are the key to helping us form the character that we carry on in life. Now, character is a sum of series of choices that a person makes throughout their lives. And, you know, it was, it was Socrates who used to say that it was that little voice that said, don't do this, don't do this. It wasn't telling him to go do this. It was telling him, don't do this, don't do this. That was the little voice that he needed to hear. But so often in our lives, we, 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 we go against our conscience. We go against the things that we know are right in our lives. Uh, maybe it's because of peer pressure. Maybe it's because we live in a, in a hostile environment and have to make different choices. Uh, or we, we just violate what, what our heart knows is the right thing to do. Our heart tells us, don't do this, but our mind says, it's okay, do it anyway. No one will ever know. And so just that little deviation, helps, you know, it, it gives us on our subconscious mind, we think it's no big deal, but the consequence is, is that you start once you give in to that impulse of not doing what your conscience tells you to do is right, 
It's like, like cheating or lying. It gives an imprint in our subconscious mind to say that that's okay. And then it can create a habit, a, create a habit or pattern. So when that choice comes up again, a similar choice or a similar option to lie, to cheat, to steal, all of a sudden it says we create a pattern for that that it continues to impact the quality of our lives. And if we continue down that path, what was a straight line begins to bend. If a farmer, you know, I'll use this analogy, if a farmer is plowing a field and he's not staying straight, he's not plowing straight down that line and he deviates just a little bit, it may, it may not seem like something big at the time. But if he continues on that and he looks at the furrows, the rows that he's, that he's plowed, it's gone completely, they're, they're all crooked. And so he has to go back and start over. And so it's really important that the choices that we make in our lives, uh, how are we doing? Are we coming from a place of, of goodness and integrity? Are we coming from a place of trying to just fit in? Are we angry and doing it out of a place of uh, resentment or revenge? And if we don't say the truth, if we don't speak the truth about our experiences and own up to the mistakes that we make, uh, we can become fragments of who we, were, we, who we could have been. Now, when I was a young kid, uh, I remember this one time uh, that I was in the bus and I was being pressured by one of the guys that was in the back of the bus to hit this guy in the nose. And I fell into that uh, being caught up in that moment and, I, and I, I punched this guy who didn't deserve it and he lived right, right next door to me. And I felt so guilty and horrible. I, you know, there was, there was blood on the, on, the, on, on the bus. And I remember going home and just feeling such, like, why did I do that? And it was my parents, my dad, who said, you know, you go over there and you go apologize to him and you go do the right thing. And I remember walking over to, to his house and just standing in front of him and seeing his mom and himself and just apologizing for, for hitting him. And it was one of the best lessons that I ever learned. You know, when I got home, I was like my dad was saying, you know, you can't, you got to stand up for people. You got to stand up for those who are being bullied. You don't become one of the bullies. You've got to stand up for what you believe in. And it's in those moments that character is formed. It's in those moments that you learn who you want to be and how you want to be. Because character isn't what, you, what everybody sees, you know, like what you're seeing right now watching. It's what I do when nobody else is watching. H. Jackson Brown writes, our character is what we do when we think no one else is looking. What are you doing when nobody's, look, when nobody's looking? Are you doing things that you wouldn't want anybody else to see? Are you doing things that you might be embarrassed about? So you've got to be able to align up to those things because the truth of your character is expressed in your actions. It's not about what you say. Emerson has a fantastic example of this, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, what you do speaks so loud, I cannot hear what you say. So you could say on one end that I'm doing this, this is the kind of person I am, but if your actions don't match what you're saying, you really got to look and examine yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself. And that's really, really hard sometimes because we want to be better people. But if our actions don't match our words, we're not quite there yet. 
And the value that you hold dear um, is going to be expressed in the people you hang around with. All right, they're mere reflections of you. We could tell a lot about a person about the company they keep. You know, there was a time when I was in the service where I lost my moral compass. I didn't like the work that I was doing. I suffered from moral injury. We've talked about this on the show. And my company that I started to hang out with because I, I didn't think that there was any point to living a moral life anymore because of the work that I was doing. And I found myself hanging around a lot of dangerous people. And I was like, what, what am I doing here? But there was a reflection of me and what was going on on the inside. And to realign yourself to that moral compass takes a lot of work, but it takes a lot of self-honesty, a lot of digging deep. But you can do it. And you want to know about another person, look at the company they keep. Are those people that you can trust? Are those people that you can rely on, depend on? Are they trustworthy? You know, it, it's in those examples that you see in your life, who are the role models in your life? What role models are, are helping you to, to get yourself out of a predicament that maybe you need to, to find people who you can emulate? Pick good role models, role models that have high quality character, that can show you how to live in integrity. We live in a world that seems um, to be absent. Um, we've, we, we've, we've lost our, um, our ability to see what quality character is in a person. We don't know. We're desperate for it. But it starts in you. You've got to be able to find it in yourself. Our character is who we really are. It's, it's not what the world may think of us. It's not what other people think of us. It's who we really are. Character is ethical and moral strength. And people of good character have moral awareness and the strength to know the good, to do the good, to love the good. And those who cultivate it, I mean, what are the quality and characteristics of someone who has it? If you have good character, do you know what happens? You attract people's trust and respect. Good character allows you to influence others in a positive way. It changes how you respond to failure. You begin to look at failure not as something that, is that will imprison you or, or, or it takes you out of the victim mentality and it turns it into, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? It's in our failures that we really grow. It's in our failures that we learn the most. It's not in our successes. Good character sustains you through difficult times <clears throat> or opposition. And we're going to talk with the gentleman right here and how the difficult challenges that he had. And he was able, through his character, to be able to get himself out of a very challenging situation and to, to create an amazing life for himself. Good character improves your self-esteem, the quality of your life, your self-respect. And it's doing it every day. It helps to create the foundation for healthy relationships. If you're having difficulties in relationships and trust and being able to be honest and true to you, it's, you've got to uh, tap into that, you know, the character that's in your heart, that's in your soul. It helps you to stay committed to your values and goals. It helps you to be the person you want to be. And then it improves your chances of success and work in all your endeavors. What are these, some of these qualities that we're looking for? Now, these are the cardinal virtues. They're, they're absolutely, this comes from Aristotle, who was talking about the excellence in the soul. Excellence in the soul is something that we do over and over again. That's how it becomes habit. It's temperance, being able to look at things with moderation. It's courage, having the courage to dig deep inside and to speak your truth and to live it. 
and to be able to admit when you've made a mistake and to make those apologies if you need to make them and to make those amends and to correct your course, to find that vector in your life so that you're, you're in alignment with that. <clears throat> it's prudence, excuse me, it's prudence, wisdom, intellect, being open-minded, learning, absorbing, listening to other people, hearing their stories. It's justice. It's being fair. It's knowing what, what justice really is and knowing how, to, how to, to approach life in a way that respects all life and is fair to everyone. It's self-honesty. It's control. It's responsibility. It's respect. So these are the qualities that you need to cultivate in order to achieve good character. And so you've got to ask yourself, am I, am, I, am I living that? And if I'm not, what areas can, how can I improve on that? What areas do I need to look at and to become a better man or woman and be a man or woman of good character? So think about that as we go into this conversation that I'm going to have with my guest here. And I just want to point, in, point out that we have view, viewers and listeners that are tuning in from Spain, Indonesia, Athens, Barcelona, Bolivia, Germany, Germany, Brazil, Finland, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening and, and making this show possible. We couldn't do it without you. We are broadcasting from KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com. We are broadcasting the best shows, the most important shows, and music, best music all around the world. Uh, yeah, the show couldn't be possible without the wonderful people here at KUHS Denver. One of the things that we have in... in uh, in America, is we have we have some problems too, and in Chicago, uh, there's been a crisis that's been going on for some time, and uh, this problems with the, the gang-related violence and the murders that have been going on have been going on for decades. Uh, we have left and, and and neglected a certain segment of the population, um, and they are crying out for help. They're crying out for resources. They're crying out for for solutions to problems that they have. And <clears throat> the urban areas have been plagued. So, I mean, what's really going on? What's really, and how can we help people to, to see that there's an option, that there's hope in their life for something better? My guest right now, today, and I'm so happy to have him here, is uh, his name's T.C. Dorch, a.k.a. Canal Pacino. Uh, he was born in Chicago, Illinois. He was uh, uh, born and raised there, and now he's an independent re record label owner as well as a songwriter, producer, and director. And I just want to introduce him and welcome him to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, having me here. Well, thank you, TC. I really appreciate you being here. Can you tell the audience here just a little bit about your story, just a little bit about your background and what it was like to grow up on the west side of Chicago? Well, um, my story starts young. I mean, I'm 41. Mm -hmm. So I started really young. My, my mother was a single parent. Um, it was me and my brother. A lot of stuff we had to do on our own. She worked two jobs and stuff like that. So I started early. I started out early on, you know, running with a gang and different stuff like that. And, and what I take from where I came from mm -hmm. to what I see now, it's a difference. And I'm going to give my personal opinion on how I believe it's got to the way, the way it is. 
I mean, um, I've seen a change. I've seen a drastic change, and I've seen it go from when there were order in the game to what's happening on the streets right now when they removed the power, when they removed the order from the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I can just speak on my personal opinion and what I think is going on and why it's going on, why it's got the way it is, and I'm not sure what I can even think of to, to control it, to stop it, slow it down or anything. Right. So. Well, I don't know. It's what I, what's really important about this story on the council is not just about hearing about how to recover and heal from PTSD and trauma. It's about sharing people's stories who've been, been able to overcome extreme circumstances mm -hmm. and have been able to sh live a, an incredible life. Yeah. And that it is not, your life is not dependent upon the circumstances that you were born in. Mm -hmm. That you can find a way out even if the cards that were handed to you are were, were not you know, not the best hand. Yeah. And so that's part of the things that when we're, we're talking about and sharing other stories mm -hmm. is to inspire, yeah. is to give people hope. And, and you know, I want, I want to piggyback off there for a second. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it like, like as if I just found my way out or I just, oh, click, let me do this, let me do. It, it, it wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. I had someone who reached for me. Yeah. I had someone who reached for me and showed me a better way. Mm -hmm. I had someone who reached for me. And I always had someone in my ear. You know, so that speaks volume on those of us that are positive, those of us that don't have to live that way. If you know one person, if you can speak to one person mm -hmm. and you can tell that one person one positive thing that can help him in the future, I mean, it's worth it because mm -hmm. you never know what that person's going to take out of that. Mm -hmm. And I had someone in my ear. I had someone speak to me. And a lot of these youth right now don't know. The reason why I can speak from both sides and I'm qualified to speak from both sides is because I lived that side. Mm -hmm. I was that young kid on the streets running with a gang and, and at one point didn't know left from right. I went as I saw. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I didn't have that one person to stay in my ear, to pull me out of my situation and guide me in a different direction, mm -hmm. I can be in prison or dead right now. So, you know, I, I believe I'm qualified to speak from that side of the fence because I lived both sides. And that's what I think is so important for people to be able to understand and listen is that not only was TC on both sides, but he did have someone who reached out to him to help. And it is those father figures that uh, unfortunately are absent mm -hmm. in the culture that, you know, actually teach boys how to become men, yeah. how to be able to handle authority, how to be able to handle a situation where racism might be involved, mm -hmm. how to be able to handle a situation when somebody comes at you with a gun or comes at you with some kind of violence. Mm -hmm. Now, you grew up in that culture. Um, you know, a lot of the research when I was doing the show showed that, you know, a lot of those gangs, they started out as political organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, actually, in 1967, the Blackstones uh, received a million-dollar grant uh, for a teaching fund. And then two years after that, uh, President Nixon invited the Blackstones founder, Jeff Fort, to the inaugural ball. And so many Chicago residents see the, the, these gang nations as institutions. I mean, mm -hmm. they're part of the neighborhood. And, and the Italians had their gangs, too. You know, I mean, I'm Italian, so we, we had our gangs as well with uh, Al Capone and others. Um, when and how did this change? What did, you know, you grew up in that. Share, share what it was like. What was your options as a boy? Well, and early on, early mm -hmm. on, before I had that person in my ear, what I took from a gang, a gang, a gang always had order. Mm -hmm. There was order in the gang. There was gang chiefs. And 
I learned how to be a man from a gang chief. I learned I, I learned responsibility from a gang chief. It might not be, you know, what someone would call positive responsibility or a positive way to reach out to a child. But as me being in the gang, that was order. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we couldn't go and start a beef with an opposite gang unless we got approved from our gang's chief. Mm -hmm. And if we did, without the approval, we would be in violation with our gang. Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't go to a playground and start a war with a gang where there's women and children running around. You couldn't shoot up a playground. Mm -hmm. That's something that you couldn't do. You couldn't go into a church and shoot up a church. You know, before they took the heads, before they cut the head off the snake, mm -hmm. there were order. We learned values. They were street values, but nevertheless, they were values. Mm -hmm. And when the politicians created the RICO Act, they started locking up all the gang chiefs and you know, it's like you cut the head off the snake. What happens? The body runs wild. Right. There's no order. That's why you hear about all the, the madness going on. They shoot up funerals now. They shoot up uh, churches and, you know, playgrounds. And you didn't hear a lot of that. You, you, heard, you had your select few idiots around that done stuff like that, but it was never at the magnitude what you hear about today. Mm -hmm. and, and because they took the order out of it, it's crazy right now. Mm -hmm. It's running wild. And that's my personal opinion from how I see it. I mean, I lived that. I lived that side to where there were order. I mean, we we, we would be in in beef with another gang, and the gang chiefs would hang out together. Right. I mean, but there were order. I mean, so it, it's it's from what's going on now to where when I was in it, mm -hmm. it's it's, it's mad. <clears throat> well, for some for the audience who's listening in who doesn't know what TC is talking about is back in the eighties and nineties uh, they. There was a lot of structure in the different gangs. They had a lot of hierarchy. It was, it was almost like a like a chain of command, a corporation yeah. kind of a thing. It was built kind of like the military. You, yeah. you, 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 had, you had your governors. I mean, you had rank. You had elites. You had five-star elite, three-star elites, two-star generals. I mean, it, it, it was built just like the military. Wow. And the, the big thing about it was the way the system is, is designed. When our dads are being locked up and put in prison, you're automatically hit with a strike. Mm -hmm. There's an X on you. So when you come out of prison, you try to do, you watch that person try to do as much as he can to be positive, to get a job. But because he has that X against him, he can't get a job. Mm -hmm. He can only do so much to feed his family to where he got to go right back to the streets and survive. You go into survival mode. Mm -hmm. You know, and as far as the game, what we learned from that, we learned how to survive. We learned how to adjust. From our point of view, we, we're making it easier on our single parent if we can go out and get it as well. And there's a lot of uh, families that have single parents out yeah, there. Yeah, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a, a whole lot. It's yeah. a bunch. And so when you're in a situation like that where you, it's economic deprivation, mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot of resources to help, uh, you know, get guide people, guide young men mm -hmm. to finding a job, doing something that yeah. uh, is, you know, it feeds their soul in a healthy yeah. way. And you've got put food on the table. Yeah. That seems like one of the options, or the only option you, you, that you, you really have. You have to survive. When, when, right. See, the problem, and I have a problem, just like a lot of people have a problem when you have certain people trying to speak on this topic mm -hmm. that's not qualified to speak on this topic. I lived it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know what it's like to be that kid. So I, even me right now today, I can't go and look at one of them kids in the face and say, hey, you can do better. You can go get a job. You can do. I can't tell him something that he don't know. Mm -hmm. 
when you don't know and this is the only thing you know, the only thing you've been taught from a, a very young kid mm-hmm. is survival. You have to survive. When that's all you know, you gotta you gotta survive. You can't take a day off. There's no there's no one day oh, I'm gonna just sit back and chill today and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out and hustle and I'm not gonna go out and eat. When we get done today, we're going to get lunch, right? That's right. <laughs> we gotta eat. And and it's the same thing for that kid that yeah. don't know. He don't have that person in his ear that I eventually got. Yeah. I had my uncle to come in and play a role. What was the environment when you were growing up as a kid? You're talking about that before you had your uncle that came in mm-hmm. and stepped in. Yes. What was it? I mean, were people pressuring you to survive? I mean, what was your day-to-day you know thing that, that it, led you to... It to, wasn't pressure to survive. The pressure was watching other people survive and you struggle. So mm-hmm. what, it wasn't one person or anyone pressuring you to join a gang. Mm-hmm. The pressure was watching your mother struggle working 16-hour days at work, barely been able to feed you trying to get around bills and all kind of stuff, you and your brother at home all day, and you're watching the guy across the street sell drugs and hang out with a gang. He's wearing new shoes. He's wearing this. My mother couldn't afford that. Mm-hmm. I wanted that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the pressure wasn't from anyone saying, hey, come join this gang. My pressure was, man, I, I want I want the new felas. Yeah. I want yeah. the new you know pullover jacket. I, I want to wear what he's wearing. Yeah. You know what I mean? My, my mom's struggling. I want I want to help her in some kind of way. If, if I can help her by getting my own clothes and even better clothes, which benefits me, mm-hmm. I'm helping out the house. And coming from that side, that's what you see. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, you can't down a guy who don't know. When, when you don't have anyone in your ear to guide you, and it's easy to tell someone, hey, why don't you go do this? Well, no, you need to hold this guy's hand and take him there. Mm-hmm. I had someone hold my hand and take me there. And that's how I was able to get out of my situation. What, now, can you tell us some of the experiences you had before you um, you got out? You said when you were 15 that you had your your kneecaps. Yeah, I was. Uh, my mom moved us to uh, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I was jumped on by a gang. Um, I was beat by eight guys with chains and uh, crowbars. Oh. I had uh, both my kneecaps broken. I went through a process where I had a cast on both legs from the top of my thighs to the tip of my, my toes. When I had my kneecaps broken, I was like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, when I stood up for the first time, I was 6'3". Because I, I was a little bow-legged. The cast straightened out my legs, and I had to learn how to walk all over again. The Forrest Gump braces, I wore those braces. Yeah. I had those braces. Um, I, I went through probably two or three years of rehab. I, I graduated from Proviso West and I never stepped a foot in Proviso West. Mm-hmm. When I came back to Chicago and I came, I ended up uh, back in the suburbs, I was registered mm-hmm. at Proviso West, but I had a home tutor come to my home and tutor me. I never stepped foot in Proviso West mm-hmm. and I have a diploma from Proviso West. Wow. But because of my leg situation and, and having to learn how to walk all over again and go through that process, I was home tutored. So... Well, did you, because uh, gangs, you know, uh, and that, that that must have been very traumatic uh, yeah. to be able to yeah. have both of those, you know, being beaten up and being, uh, you know, having your kneecaps. And, and then that's just the, the consequences of the life. Right? Yeah. So that's the consequences of having no other options and choices and, uh, and being able to have to survive. I mean, mm-hmm. these are 
getting it from a, a completely different perspective. Yep. The gangs are very much like you talked about, is just is like the military. I mean, they're a structure, they were organized, they, were, they had the stratification of a military command, and mm -hmm. it, it, it helps for, you know, young men need to go through these rites of passages for boys to become men. Mm -hmm. We don't, once we're, we're cut off from the umbilical cord, we are, connect, we are disconnected from the generative function of life. We aren't, you know, women, they give life, they give birth. And so they are, they're connected to it constantly. And with men, with boys, we have to learn that. We have to learn that through our fathers. We learn mm -hmm. that through uh, connecting to something bigger than ourselves. And the military and, and gangs mm -hmm. give that sense of uh, a something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. Joining belonging. It gives us a sense of significance. Mm -hmm. It gives us a sense of uh, being a part of something larger. Mm -hmm. And it's a rite of passage. And in my opinion, one of the things that we're not doing a good job of right now mm -hmm. is understanding the importance and the value of those rites of passages that a lot of the ancient societies used to do to help boys make that transition mm -hmm. from being a boy to being a man and taking all the responsibilities that uh, that are incumbent upon men to make, uh, you know, to raise a family, to provide a, a home, to do all the things that men are supposed to contribute yeah. in our society. And as a consequence, young boys that were, are without those father figures or are without those rites of passages look to gangs as the option. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and you learn things from then. I'm not sure about now. When, mm -hmm. when, there, when there were order, mm -hmm. when they had gang, actual gang chiefs, when they were ordering a gang, from my era, I learned how to respect a person. I learned to respect another man. Mm -hmm. I learned things from the gang. I, I, I learned things on how to, how to be a young man when my father wasn't around. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you join a gang, I joined it looking at a way to get me some nice clothes, a way of new. I, I, I never thought of it like protection, and I didn't look at it like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't look at it that I needed a father figure. That wasn't that wasn't my. I, I joined it to better my situation at the moment. And when I joined, I learned those things. Mm -hmm. I learned respect. You know, I learned order. I learned to have balance. I learned patience. A lot of the stuff that a lot of the stuff that you're supposed to learn from your father, these kids learn from gangs. Mm -hmm. I learned from a gang, you know. I, I, and my uncle is my father. I call my uncle my father, because he's the person who was in my ear. He's the person who brought me up. I always talk about this. Mm -hmm. I remember one day I'll never forget this. I learned from him never to burn your bridges. Mm -hmm. I went to the corner store by our house, and I told the guy I didn't have no money, but I wanted a bag of chips, something cost a dollar. Mm -hmm. He said, here, take it, bring it back later. I said, okay, cool, I took it. So I'm, I'm back at the house, I'm eating the chips, and I'm, and I'm telling my uncle, I, I'm, I'm joking, like, hey, this guy's stupid, man. He just gave me a bag of chips, talking about bringing the money later. He's stupid, I ain't bringing him nothing. <laughs> and my uncle snapped on me. Yeah. He flipped on me. He said, no. He said, you never burn your bridges. You never know when you're going to need that man. Yeah. He reached in his pocket, gave me a dollar, and said, go down there and get that man his money. Wow. And I went down there and gave him his money. And I remember that story yeah. to this day. And I learned never burn your bridges mm -hmm. from my uncle that day. Isn't that, uh, and that's really talks about how we learn character, how we learn to do the right thing, how mm -hmm. people teaching us those simple, those memories like you had just yeah. right there with your uncle, uh, the, the memory I had with my dad and going mm -hmm. back and apologizing to the, the kid that I hit. Those are those moments where 
your your character is formed, where you're 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 put to the fire, and you're and you're, and you're made to decide and made to choose. What do I do? I do the right thing or do I do the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. And you've got to be able to do the right thing in every moment, even if it's a very difficult decision, even mm-hmm. if you have to really face it, like oh my gosh, I did something bad. It is better to face the truth and to do the right thing. Because it may cause you a little bit of acute pain in the moment, but in the long run, you're going to be a better man for it. You're going to be a better woman yeah. for it. You're going to be a better person for it. Yeah, and, and, and that's a prime example of if I didn't have that person mm-hmm. in my life to show me a different direction, I could be dead or in jail right yeah. now. I, I owe my uncle my life for playing the father figure that my father didn't play. He, he took me in and he took on a role as my dad. That's why in my eyes, he's my dad. Yeah. You know, I, I call, you know, he's my uncle, my aunt's my aunt, but that's my mom and my dad. My cousins, Bam and Robin, those are my brothers and sisters. They're cousins, but yeah. my eyes, that's my brother and my sister. Now, how, did, so, your, how did your uncle approach you? What was it? Because he knew, I mean, there was, must well, have been a point. I, I used to always go to the house, like, I'll go out there on uh-huh. the weekends, and I always wanted to go out there because, you know, to me, in my eyes as a kid, I used to think my... Like, my cousin then was rich. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because, you know, you had a mom and a dad in the house. He had all the flyest toys and all that. And all the stuff I wanted. I'm like, so I used to love to go out there. Like, And I always tried to get out there. But once I finally started getting out there more, I start I started picking up the values mm-hmm. more. I wasn't going out there for that. Out there to have a father figure. I was going out there because I saw, man, I, I want to play with some of the flyest toys, too. I want this. And what I got from it, 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 it did. It, it happened. Mm-hmm. It wasn't planned. It happened the way it should have happened. It happened the way it, it should have happened if my father was in my mother's life the way he should have been. Mm-hmm. If I would have had a father figure, yeah. uh, you know, all the way through to, to kind of show me these points, and it would have been, it could have been, it could have been changed. I feel like that that could have changed, you know, issues with me, issues with my brother. But you know. It's water did your, under the bridge. Did your father leave early? Did you ever know your father? Yeah, I know him. He he, he was in and out. Well, he was in he, and he out. He was of in and out. Oh, uh, okay. But he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a difference. I mean, I, I I don't I don't have any values that I can say I learned from him. Now I'm I, I'm gonna give him credit. Mm-hmm. He's my father. I yeah. gotta give him credit. Yeah, yeah. And what I did learn from him is how I will not do my kids. Mm-hmm. What I would not do to my kids. That's what I did learn from him. Mm-hmm. I love him because he's my father. I love him because my mother loved him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but as far as, as far as it goes with learning how to be a father, and I, I learned, I learned, I take, I take a lot of values that I learned from him. Like my father had a lot of kids all over Chicago. I got a lot of half brothers and sisters that I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And I always took pride in saying that. That's one thing I learned as, as an early age I'm always going to wear protection. I don't want to become that statistic. I don't want to be that guy with kids all over the city like my dad. Yeah. And now I have two kids by my wife. That's it. That's so amazing. I mean, I mean so to I have get, that character within yourself mm-hmm. to be able to say, no, this, I'm, I'm going to use this as a lesson on how to become a better man yeah. and how to become a better father and how, to, how the person that I want to be rather than using it as an excuse to be just the same thing because a lot of times you say I don't want to be like my father I don't want to be like my dad was but you're creating a situation where you're you're the thing that you're defending against and what don't want to be you end up being yeah 
but it's because you've got to make that choice mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to use this as, and, and not, not diminish and not say, I don't love the, the, mm-hmm. love the man. Yeah. I appreciate the lessons that he taught me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to use it for good. Yeah, definitely. You're going to use it for good. You, you turn a negative into a positive. Amen to that. We are, just a quick announcement, we are broadcasting from KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com, broadcasting the best shows, the most important conversations, uh, and the greatest music around the world, from Colorado to all throughout the nation and all around the world. Uh, We are just being heard from uh, just people listening in from Asia and Africa and uh, all over Europe and the Middle East and, of course, America. I just want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening and making this show possible. So, continuing on, uh, TC, you know, there's uh, getting back to a little bit of what's going on in Chicago with the news. Why do you think that it's making such national news right now? Well, the reason why it's making national news, you know, a lot of people outside of the city, they say, oh, man, this, what's been going on in Chicago the last three or four years are terrible. You know, it's been so many killings and murders. You know, you're here one weekend where, you know, 30 people shot and 12 did. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, this has been going on for over a decade. This didn't happen three or four years ago. The reason why it's being highlighted now, and also, again, my personal opinion, mm-hmm. is because it's spilling over into their backyards, the politicians. Mm-hmm. It's, happening, it's starting to affect their bottom line. When, when a person gets shot in the head in broad daylight downtown Chicago, that's a problem. Because now it's a, it's affecting the tourists, people that's trying to come in. It's affecting their bottom line. Whenever, whenever it starts affecting their money, now it's time to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Now the, the, the media outlets is going to start airing it. So people think that this stuff just started, three, you know, just got out of hand three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. It's been like that for over a decade. Wow. This nothing that just started. Anybody that's in Chicago that lived there will tell you. Mm-hmm. It's been going on. This stuff been happening. It's been 30 people shot in a day. You know, one, one, you know, 4th of July weekend, 60 shot, 15 dead. This ain't just started. Yeah. And it's a war but zone. because it's affecting that bottom line and it's not just contained in the urban areas anymore, now they want to do something about it. Now it's let's go to the prison. Let's try to talk to the people we, we locked up and let's see if we can get help. It's too late for that. Mm-hmm. It's too late. And, and, and you got all these kids that, you know, these people that's going around doing a shooting are kids. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I go to Chicago, I don't fear the people my age. I'm fearful for that 14-year-old that may run up mm-hmm. and want to do something. Because them dudes will shoot you dead without a regret. And it's happening every day. And, 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 and it goes to what I'm saying about guidance, about, you know, when there was order. Yeah. When there was order in gangs, it was different than what it is today. Well, it's, you know, for people who don't know, uh, there are times when uh, there, I think there's been statistics of what's going on in Chicago. In one year, there was more murders, there was more deaths in the city of Chicago than there were in our wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Combined. Yeah. Combined. No, no, no. It, it wasn't just, no, no. I, I, want, I want to adjust that. Yeah. It wasn't the city of Chicago, just in Inglewood. Oh just wow! In just, in area. Inglewood, just in an they, area. Of they Chicago. compared Inglewood, wow. and and they and they put the stats from Inglewood and compared it to Afghanistan and Iraq, and there was more killing in just Inglewood. Wow! The south side of Chicago, just Inglewood, not including everything on the west side and every and over east and every, and everywhere yeah. else. Just in Inglewood, was more killings than Afghanistan and Iraq. Wow! 
It just seems like without any kind of structure and any kind of guidance and any kind of ability to form that character that helps people to choose between right and wrong, mm -hmm. that it allows for these wild bulls or these, you know, in, in um, there was a study with uh, elephants in Africa where they, they took these wild, the, the, the male bulls, they had the, the, the big bull, and they killed it off and all the young males were, were causing all this havoc. And they needed to return these older male bulls into to get them young males in order again. And once they did that, the young bulls they, they got they they started to calm down again. They weren't call, they weren't tearing down the trees. They weren't uh, harassing the, the the female elephants. And it seems like that's one of the things that needs to happen in some way is that there has to be, you know, men of character, men of integrity. Men, uh, fatherly men, like your uncle who became a father figure for you that is able to come into these places to help give these young boys another option, another way. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, how long do you, th if, if you wouldn't have gotten out, you know, what motivated you to climb out of that life? And what kept you from going back to that life? Well, um, I saw value. I saw, I saw something that I took from my uncle. Mm -hmm. I saw how my cousins was living, and I saw how important it is to have a, a, a male and a female, to have a mother and a father presence. Mm -hmm. I saw the importance of that. I saw when there's two people in a house, the difference it can make in just the kids. It's a big difference, yeah. you know, and I wanted that. I wanted that for my kids. I wanted to have a future. I mean, it was at, it was at a point to where and I have friends in Chicago that would t that would tell you this. I used to say, I never want to live past 30. Right. I used to always say, I don't want to live past 30. 30 is my cutoff. That was my thinking. That was my mentality. Yeah. In my mind, 30 was oh, I don't want to. I don't want to go there, you know, because I couldn't see myself living past 30. I couldn't see me going into a situation that I was already in as a kid. I couldn't see me bringing other kids into that situation yeah. following that you know following that path mm -hmm. and you know what I mean just you know when, when you have someone in your life that's doing better that that's that that's not just doing it but showing you in the process I mean he, he used to take me and my he used to take me and my, my cousin to work with him on the weekends mm -hmm. he's an electrician you know hanging awnings doing electrical stuff every weekend he took us to work with, with him most of the time mm -hmm. you know and I learned from that I, 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 his work ethics, that was extra work. That wasn't his, I mean, I, I learned I learned the value of being a hard worker. The, I learned the value of being a man, the value of being able to say, hey, this is me. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my best, whether it's good or not. I learned that from my uncle. And if these kids don't have no one to show them that, to guide them mm -hmm. or to hold their hand through, through certain situations, they don't know. That's why it's it's so it's so vital for people like me, people like yourself, mm -hmm. to have a show like this, to to tell our stories. Mm -hmm. Cause it may be one kid. If there's a million people watching this and one kid gets something out of this right. that changes his life and puts him in, in a better direction, it's all worth it. And, and if and if a bunch of people can come up and, and just take one person by the hand and say, Hey, do it this way. Mm -hmm. It makes, it makes everything better. Oh. Uh, someone done it for me. <clears throat> if I can tell you now, the path mm -hmm. I was on, I would be dead or in jail if it wasn't for my uncle. Mm -hmm. And I mean... 
Well, it's, uh, you know, it is. It's just that one kid, that one person who may be tuning in and listening in right now that what something that you say, TC, uh, something that we say could be the thing, the seed that needs to be planted in his heart and in his mind that says, hey, you know what, I can do this. Hey, I can, can, can I say something else real quick? Yeah, add it to that? Sure. I want everyone out there that's watching this, that's listening to this to understand. I'm qualified to speak from both sides of the fence because I was that little kid. And I'm going to tell you how that kid's thinking that don't have anyone guiding him right now. He's in survival mode. Just like you watching this, you're going to probably go have lunch after this. You're going to go eat. Well, this kid has no option. This kid has no way out to go and do that. He has to survive. So before we go and start pointing the fingers and say, how are these kids doing this in, in, in this urban neighborhood over here, over there, why are you doing this? You, I, need, I need everyone to understand, these kids are in survival mode. They don't know where their next meal is going to come from. If you don't know, you don't do. Mm -hmm. how, how, how? It's like me telling you right now, I need you to go out there and fly that airplane. Mm -hmm. Have you ever flew a plane? <coughs> anyone, anyone ever showed you how to fly that plane? Well, actually, because I went to the Air Force Academy. I did learn how to fly a plane. But, so but you know what I'm saying, person if, that has that, But yes. But you know what I'm right. saying? If you don't know, yeah. I mean, if this kid is out there and you're expecting him to, to better his situation, show him. Yeah. Take his hand. Guide him. Don't just tell him, here, here's, here's a book. Read this book. Here's the tools. Go out there and get it. It don't work that way because in, in 30 minutes, he, it's time to eat again. And, and he's worried about how he's going to eat that next meal. You know what I mean? And his and, and that single parent is at work working 12 to 14-hour shifts, 16-hour shifts to keep the lights on the roof over their head. Yeah. So it's like, you know, a, a lot of people start talking on these topics, and they're, and they're not qualified to even comment on it because mm -hmm. they don't know what it's like to be on that side of the fence. I lived it. Yes. I was that little boy. You know, I, I went through every, I mean, from broken kneecaps to a massive heart attack, a stroke, multiple heart surgeries. I have a defibrillator in my chest, my heart muscles pumping at 25%, and I'm still here today. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've survived things that most people would have died. I survived multiple things. Most people would have died by the grace of God. Yes. And if I didn't have that guidance, I wouldn't be here. Amazing story. Brings a tear to my eye when we're talking as we've been talking. Um, you're listening to this on KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com. We are sponsored by Remax Alliance. Uh, uh, Please go to, if you live in Colorado, go to their website at www.homesincolorado.com. That's homesincolorado.com. You want to sell or buy a home, use Remax Alliance. Um, I want to, uh, we've, I mean, I can't believe we're almost uh, done with the show here. We've got about 10 minutes left, TC. And I want to talk about what you've been doing now. I mean, you're giving back to the community. Your daughter's giving back to the community. Yeah. Uh, you're an independent record label owner. You're a songwriter. You're a director. I mean, you've completely turned around. I mean, what yeah. the cards that you were given, you've completely shifted it into a, in a whole different direction. And... Uh, can you just talk about, you know, the, a little bit about the work? And we're going to try to show your, your daughter's video here for just a little bit. Okay. Um, about the music that you compose. And, and, yeah, I mean, and I, I, I've, been, I've been writing music for over 25 years. Uh -huh. I've only been producing for 
maybe eight years. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in eight years a producer that I'm a rookie in the game. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm still new. Uh, my daughter, she's a singer. She's been singing since she was two. Mm-hmm. Um, vocal coach since six. She has two vocal coaches right now. She see both different days every week. And, I mean, she's an amazing singer. She's a 14-year-old vocalist. She does wow. opera. I mean, she does it all. She's, she's. I mean, it, it, long story short, she's amazing. And, and I'm, I'm saying that from a, a producer's point of view. I'm not saying that as a father. Yeah. I'm going to say she's amazing because she's my daughter. But I, I've been doing music so long and I've done so many projects with different artists that went so far. I'm not going to just waste money and waste time on someone I don't think that wants it or have the, the talented abilities to do it. Mm-hmm. And and my daughter is the reason why I'm doing it. I, I, didn't, I didn't push her to do it. She's pushing me because of what I, I watch what she does. I watch everything she's doing with the music. Mm-hmm. And I jumped in and I said, I want to help you. Right. So everything you see is her. I, I mean, I'm helping her write songs. Um, everything is her. I mean, it, it's all her. And... and she basically gave me a lifeline back into the music. That's amazing. So everything that I know and all, all of my experience, I'm, yeah. I'm sharing with her and I'm, I'm guiding her and I'm letting her do her thing. That's so fun. Henry, is there a way we could play on the, the, uh, the song real quick? You're tuning in over here. This is uh, TC's daughter. This is Ayana. Uh, Ayana. And this is their upcoming song, uh, Savannah. Savannah. Featuring Savannah, Savannah Parrish. Yep. She's American. Savannah's amazing. Boy Crazy is the title of the song. Boy Crazy is the title of the of the song. And you have over 224,000 224, views on this song? Uh, That's what I saw. I think it's 250, two almost 2. It's, it was 2. Last night it was 247,000 views. Almost 250,000 views. Over 250,000 views, yeah. this young woman. And she's fantastic. She's 14 years old? 14, yeah. Wow. Actually, she was 13 when she, when she sung it. Um, we record in Chicago. We fly back to Chicago or drive to uh, record. We're actually going um, the end of May when they go to spring spring break. I got I got two day sessions, eight hours each day. We we, we finna go complete the whole album. <laughs> That's two so days in Chicago. Well, let's listen to it just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I had to get the volume.
been back to parking lot scenes at Horizon High School in Thornton and CrossFit Mod. CrossFit gym I go to in Thornton is where we've done a lot of the green screen work. What's her name again? Ayana. Ayana. Ayana Boy Crazy. You can look at her up and subscribe to her channel. Yeah, right? su subscribe to this uh, Stony Canal channel. Uh, we're wrapping up the uh, her second single, Savannah, featuring Savannah Barish. We're wrapping up that video shoot right now, and um, all subscribers will be the first one to get that video once we finish editing and release it. Could you, could you tell a little story real quick? Because we've only got about uh, three minutes left. Just about yeah. the Savannah story. Savannah, uh, Savannah's amazing. Um, she's a dancer from Colorado. Mm -hmm. She danced at a dance school in Thornton called Autistic Fusion. Jen's amazing. She owns it. Um, she she was her, her car was hit head on. I believe it was a drunk driver. Her family car was hit leaving a dance recital when she was nine, mm -hmm. and she's paralyzed from the neck down. And um, finding out her story. It touched me because of my story Sim is similar with, you with know, the broken kneecaps, kneecaps yeah. learning how to walk all over again. And when, when it happened to me at 15, as a 15-year-old boy, I always said, why? Why did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. And as a 9-year-old girl, she never uttered the words why. She always been encouraging, you know, positive. And she talks to other kids and uplift them. So I went to meet with her and her mom at the school and kind of asked them, is it okay to record her voice? Tell me some of the positive words you say to the other kids. Mm -hmm. So uh, I recorded her saying, be kind, be positive, be awesome. And I took those words. I wrote the chorus and the complete song around those words. I produced the track. I have her voice on the hook of the song saying those words. And th the song is Savannah featuring Savannah Barish. And she's in the music video everything. And, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's such a positive, uplifting song. Someone in the world needs to hear that song. Yeah. And, 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 and the concept of it is... You can be Savannah. I can be Savannah. We're, we all could be Savannah. Mm -hmm. Let's be positive. <laughs> that's the second single. That, that's that's the promo on the Boy Crazy video at the beginning and the end. Right, 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 the right. second single, we just got through shooting most of the video. We got one more scene to shoot at the dance school, and that video shoot will be a wrap, and we're going we're gonna to put it out there. So. That's so amazing, and I think that's a, a perfect way to come and draw this uh, episode or this uh, this sh uh, show to a close. Uh, be kind, be strong. So all Savannah is all of us. Be positive. Be Savannah. And this is, uh, you know, it's just, uh, TC, you're an amazing story of, of transformation. You bring so much hope 
uh, a ray of hope for so many thousands and thousands of young men. And I thank you so much for being on the show thank with you, me I appreciate today. you having me. Really, it's been just an honor and a blessing to have you on. And I wish you, you all the very best. Thank and you. your daughter, I think she's amazing. I think she's going to, like, take off. I mean, thank you. <laughs> so. I appreciate it. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for being on the show today. I just want to leave you with one thing before we close. And this is going to talk to you just a little bit about character. This is a quote from Lao Tzu. Watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. I want to thank you all for joining us on the council. The council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. We'll be back in two weeks. God bless. We're good. We're good. Thank you very much again for tuning in on the show. We're just waiting for which camera to, to, to go off. And uh, I hope, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you soon. Two weeks. Come back to the council. We're going to have another great show, promise. <laughs>